Hello, and welcome back to Death is Everything with Heather and Marianne. I will be your solo host today, Marianne, on my lonesome. And right now during quarantine, I like to call it quarantines. So it's going to take us a little while to get back into our pod. (laughs) We'll probably fill you in further when Heather and I are able to resume the podcast together. I'm going to be your host today for a little interview series, getting to know what people of all kinds experience with death. If you are interested in being interviewed for the show, you can go on to our Instagram. It is D period I period E period underscore cast with a big old at at the front. Um, So go ahead and send us a message on there and we will talk. And if you're really interested, we'll do an interview with you. I'd love to hear what your experiences are. Okay. Hello. Welcome to Death is Everything again. We are here, and by we, I mean Marianne and Felicia Monet. Um, We're going to do a little interview here. Hi, Felicia. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm good. Good. Thank you very much for um, being a part of this. Of course, my pleasure. I look forward to all of your answers, and it's always great. It's always wonderful to talk to you anyway. I'm glad we got a little chance to catch up beforehand. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So uh, before we start, Felicia, do you want to share your Instagram? Um, So for those of you who may not be aware, um, Felicia and I met a few years ago. She's been my fabulous hair magician friend and um, creator of some wonderful other things as well. So Felicia, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. My Instagram handle is at Felicia Monet underscore. So it's at F E L I C I A M O N E T underscore. There you go. Go find her, support everything she does. I order you, listeners, to do so. <laughs> if I had that power, I would. Um, so let's get into some interesting death questions. Okay. So, um, just to get a little background, where did you grow up? I grew up in Pomona, California. Awesome. Southern California lady. Yes. (laughs) Um, so in your life, what was your first experience with death? My first creepy experience with death was um, when I was little, my mom made us go to the funeral of like a cousin of hers. And like the energy in the the church was just creepy and like heavy. And it never really left me, I don't think. Like it was just really creepy and heavy. It was like the energy of the person like really lingered. I don't know if it was like lingered around me. It was just dark. And like even like, you know, I remember my mom and my aunt and my cousins, like my older cousins, my my mom's cousins, uh, they went to this cousin's house to like clean out the house and all of that, like after she passed. And she would make me go and I would just be like not helping because it would just be, I think that's when I first started like really like seeing and feeling like energy and spirits and stuff. I was like, this is like, I was creeped out to the point where I didn't even want to pee in that house. Wow. Yeah. I was just like, um, like I waited till we left and like we got on the freeway and we hit a couple exits and I was like, Oh my God, I gotta go pee. <laughs> just so we could stop somewhere. Cause I was just like, I'd rather pee at a gas station than pee in that house. Like had it was just like met? a heaviness. I haven't met I had met her several times before, but that didn't really mean anything because you were little or I was little. Like I was gonna I'm gonna say I was like maybe five, six, maybe. Okay. 
Oh, so really, really little. pretty little. Yeah. Little, little. little. So five, six, maybe seven, but I don't think much older than seven. A lot of people say that children see spirits more readily than adults. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, even back then, I can't remember, like, we lived in this one house and I hated it. Like, I would always, like, I remember waking up feeling like something was, like, around my neck all the time. And I was just, and I would wake up and be like, we need to move from this house. We need to move from this house. So we moved. And, like, after we moved, it was, like, way better. And we didn't even move far. We moved literally maybe three blocks from that house. But energy is energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. Lingering energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we moved, it was like, it was a new development. It was a new house. It was way, way better. Wow, that's interesting. Was it something that you became curious about or afraid of when you were Uh, growing up? Growing up, I, I just remember nobody really being able to answer my questions. So I grew up as strict as they tried to be. Christian kind of, you know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, I'm Christian today, but I'm going to do my thing. Okay. <laughs> um, But like, I don't know. It, 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 no one could really answer my questions. So like, I would have questions like, why do I have dreams? And they're like this, or why do I have dreams? And I, they're like this. And how come when I see certain people talk, like I can literally see like evil spirits coming out of their mouth. Like explain that to me. And nobody could ever explain that to me. So as I got older, I kind of just went on my own path of trying to figure things out, trying to get my own understanding because I wasn't really finding it at church at all. Like they could never explain it to me. And then like, um, like I remember like asking anytime we went to a church, I would ask um, different pastors, like, what is your relationship with God? And they would never really answer. I was like, okay, well, how often do you fast and pray to really know that you know that you know that you're hearing God's voice before yeah. you, you know, you are before God's people? I can't even tell you how many times that I would get like the deer in headlights or, oh, I got to go talk to this person over here. So like, oh, yeah. okay, so this isn't for me. Like, this ain't for me. If, if, if my relationship with God is more important and I find it more valuable than you do and I'm gonna let you be over me no I'm out of pocket yeah I um I was a questiony kid too and I felt a a certain lack of (laughs) of um something you know if you're curious and you're experiencing something that doesn't make sense with what you've been told or brought up to believe it's like wait well what about this thing right I mean like I remember growing up having like so many like weird premonitions and like things that have happened or like, like for instance, um, I remember me and my mom, we lived in these one apartments in Ontario when her and my dad first split up. And I know it was like after my birthday. So it was between my birthday and 4th of July. My birthday is June 15th. So we're, me and my mom were sitting at the table. We were, I think we we're eating breakfast or something. We went to the store, came back, we had cooked, we were eating. And um, I had asked her just randomly, I said, do you ever think they would be shooting around here? Huh. And she looked at me and she's like, no, I don't think that would ever happen. Da, 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 da. I kid you not, four hours later, we had the, uh, the bedroom window open and there was like a complete shootout between the two buildings. So oh. they were shooting at each other like down this... And it wasn't even an alleyway. It was just like a walkway. It was just a grassy area between two apartments. And it wasn't even like a grassy area where you could play in. It was just like maybe three feet between that complex and the next complex. Okay. And and I was just like, and she was just like, so what made you say that to me earlier? And I was just like, I don't know. I just, it just, I kind of see it and I can kind of feel it happen. And she's just like, well, how come you can't ever see or feel lottery numbers? <laughs> I was just like, well, maybe because you're too irresponsible for that responsibility. I was like, because for every blessing, there's a responsibility. I was like, maybe you're you're too irresponsible for that response. You know what I mean? For that blessing. 
Oh, of the, like, the big win. Yeah, like, maybe you're too irresponsible. (laughs) That's really um, intuitive for a kid, you know? Right? I think I was, like, seven or eight. And then they started asking me questions, like, I was, like, Miss Cleo or some shit. They're like, you're the Oracle, we're gonna... (laughs) Yeah, and then I was just, I kid you not, I was just like, shut it off, shut it off, shut it off. Like, I didn't want to see or feel or experience anything because I just felt like it it was just too much for them to, like, pull on me all the time, all the time, Mm. all the time. What do you think? And I was like, "Mm." like, I'm a kid. I Yeah, like, let me, can I just be eight? Like, let me be eight. Got any candy? (laughs) Right? Take me to the fair. Take me to Disneyland or Knoxbury Farm or some shit. Like, right? I will tell you some winning lottery numbers if you give me some candy. Right. Take me somewhere. Do something. Take me to the movies. Let's go to the dragon. <sighs> L.A. County Fair, man. Man. Um. So, one of my other questions on here is: Do you believe in ghosts? Which kind of ties into what we were oh, talking about. Um, um, I believe that people just transition. Um, And I say that only because I've just had too many experiences with people that die. Like they Mm. don't, they don't go away. Like, and, and not saying that you don't have control. Like, I think a lot of people just are like, they don't understand. Like you, you control your environment completely unreservedly. You control your environment. So for me, I would say that if, like my dad didn't like disrupt my life like after he passed like and I I guess that was like my one true like I've had instances I need to keep going I keep jumping all over the place that's okay so like my first instance where I kind of was just like "Eh," was but then I was still like in the church so I was like second guessing it oh yeah so you know what I mean so yeah it was when I was married to the boy's dad and we were supposed to move to Washington. And I kid you not, I had the same dream about my mom and my grandma for like three months. And it would not, the dream would get more vivid and more vivid and more vivid and more vivid and more vivid. Every day I had this dream. So the dream was, um, I was at my old church, the church where I used to go to growing up. And like, you come to the front of the church. Well, my grandma's sitting there in a chair. She's wearing all white. She's actually wearing a white suit that I had bought her that they had buried her in. Mm-hmm. And then my mom is in the room with the choir robes. And my mom's just going through the choir robes. And she just looks at me. She doesn't say anything. And then my grandma's like, you know you don't need to go out there. And I was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, no, seriously, you don't need to go out there. But I know that you are so desperate for change. And you really want something good, but there's no good that's going to come out of you moving. Oh, and I was just like, interesting. Right. And so she's like, but go ahead, go, go out that door and you can see, you'll, you'll be able to see what's going to happen. Right. So yeah. I go to the doors of the sanctuary. There's not one pew in there. There's no chair. There's no chairs for the congregation. Like I could literally smell what hell would smell like. It smelled like, tar and sewage and you could just like hear like all kinds of funky ass screams and like just all kinds of weird stuff and like I was just like whoa that's kind of scary right and so like every night I would hear a little bit more I would smell a little bit more Hmm. and then my aunt was just like and I kept telling her like I kept having this dream and she's just like that's a if that's not a warning I don't know what is yeah okay so then um like two three days before we were supposed to leave um I woke up and I said I'm not gonna go like we have been we weren't getting along I didn't like him as a human being this is really fucked up I just (laughs) didn't like him anymore the things that he would say was just weird and I was just like turned all the way off I didn't like him like I just was like I didn't like him as a person anymore yeah and so I was just like you know what I need to just leave because if I don't like mm -mm." so 
we go and and so I woke up that morning and I said, you know what, I this isn't I said, I'm not gonna go. I said, I'm already uncomfortable. I was just like, I, I I'm uncomfortable with going. I said, if and we have been fighting a lot. I said, if you really want this to work, you have two options. You can either stay here, we go to counseling, we work on it, or you go up there, you get a place for us, and then me and the kids will come. I was like, but there's just no way that I I can go up there and feel. I, I said I don't feel comfortable. I was just yeah. like, you, it, it's just uncomfortable. And so, yeah, especially the combination of like the dream warning. But then that wasn't even like the end of it. So like that same day, I was gonna go. I was gonna spend the day with my nieces because you know we're initially we were gonna leave. So. I spend the day with my nieces. I go, we go to like star shots in the mall. We go to take pictures. We go to McDonald's and hang out with them the whole day. Take them back home, come back home with the boys. And then his mom had called. This was like the nail in the coffin for me. His mom had called and she said, um, you know, I'm going way out of my way to tolerate you and your kids to come and live in my home. So I, and then I stopped her. I was just like, you know what? Um, hold on before you go any further. I don't want you to ever feel like you have to tolerate a motherfucking thing. Yeah. What you can do is since you taught him how to be who he is, you can have him back. When his dick gets hard, (laughs) you fuck him. Oh. I am done. (laughs) And then I hung up the phone and I said, What are you what are you telling her? And he's like, I didn't tell her anything. I was like, Clearly, you're telling her something because I don't I conversate mean, with her. Your family doesn't live out here. So my brother is not calling, talking to her. My family doesn't even have her phone number. So what is it that you're telling her? Yeah. Like, you know what? It doesn't even matter because I'm cool. Yeah. He's just like, you're really not going to go? I was like, no, I'm going to stay right here where my family is. I was like, so I was like, I trust what my grandma has been showing me. And she told me that there is nothing good to come from this move. So I'm not moving. Yeah, And, like, it was just a bunch of shit, like, after that. It was just a bunch of shit. I'm glad you didn't go. No. No, 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 no. And then, um, like, my aunt came through, her and her girlfriend. Like, I, I must say that the windows of blessings opened. And, like, I was fine. Like, I was freaked out because I wasn't, you know, like, he blocked me being able to work. And I was just like, like, how do you... How do you, like, how do you not want to build with somebody that wants to build? Yeah. Like, how, like, and it was because I made more money. Than oh, I think it's an insecure. I mean, there's so many. It's, yeah. His psyche is. Right. But then I realized, like, as I got older, I shouldn't have been in that relationship in the first place. I should have been in somebody's therapy because it. Was, I, I got with him, like, not too long after my mom died. Um. So... So yeah. I should have had my ass in therapy. I shouldn't have been. Yeah. The, that's a. Should have been dating. You know, it's hard to make good decisions when you're mm-hmm. grieving. Mm-hmm. When you're like in the throes of grieving. And also, you know, the weight of responsibility that you had in that experience. Girl, that um, was, yeah. So what do you think happens when you die? You said you cro- we cross over or. I think you, I think there's like a a moment where you cross over and like um do you think it just is different for everyone that some I think people... it, I think I think some people feel things a little bit differently like for a long time like I could like when I was younger I could see spirits you know what I mean like I could literally see them um as I've gotten older I'm like I don't want to see the bitches <sighs> I want to see shit cuz otherwise it gets to a point where like I I think that's what actually made me more introverted after my brother died it's just like fuck I see too much you know what I mean like I see too much like I I could literally see somebody and like read the fuck out of them and I'm like "Uh." and it it makes for a shitty like social experience because it's like you know what I mean like it's just and so I that's why I don't like going to like you're you're never gonna catch me at a Disneyland like I'll go to a basketball game but you're yeah. never going to catch me at a Disneyland. You're never going to catch me at a Spray Farm or anything like that. Because I just, 
it's like overcrowded not just it's with just the too people much. but the yes it, it, well i don't think people even realize like when you have play are specifically for like inner like disneyland i feel like is like you know happiest place on earth but i feel like just like when that because it's a light um it attracts a lot of dark so to me like mm. i wouldn't see like the happy kids i'll see like the pedophiles looking at the little kids or like Oof. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I see that kind of shit. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to be at the house. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll just be at the house, watch me some Tom and Jerry, some Smurfs. <laughs> some Looney Tunes. Some lo- something. Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy is some good shit. Um, so tell me a little bit about your experience with your mother's passing, if you would like to talk a little bit about that. Um, her cancer started, I'm going to say my senior year in high school. So we found okay. out, um, I'm going to say right after Thanksgiving, right around, mm-hmm. it was right after Thanksgiving, we found out that she had cancer and they said that she had colon cancer, that they were setting her up for surgery, um, like right after Christmas. So there was just like the dark clouds, you know what I mean? Yeah. Over the holidays. Through the, the whole holidays. And, like, all of her surgeries were at holiday time. All of her surgeries. So, so her first surgery was December 27th of 94? Yeah. Wow. 94. Wow. Yeah. It, you know, it's really weird. It almost aligns. It's, like, within a year of m- my mom's stuff was, yeah. Like, crazy, right? Yeah. I feel, that's why I'm, like, oh, my God, this is so weird. Like. Yeah like our relationship but and but anyway so so it was um december 27th of 94 yeah and i remembered like the burden of knowing and like not really sharing with anybody at school what was going on i was just either really really angry or i just didn't want to talk you know what i mean and, yeah it's almost and like nobody and it's like you don't want to tell anybody because you don't want anybody thinking you want all this extra attention but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's like I got all this weight on me, and then it's so, almost a little fucked up that lag between finding out and like the action that happens. Whether right. it's like you get the diagnosis, and then there's like, okay, we're scheduling your surgery in two months, and it's like two months, <laughs> right? I, right. I I get that like hospitals have to schedule. You know, it's not right. They can't just, okay, you have cancer tomorrow. We're going to do something about it. But it's like that time is almost like a chunk out of reality. Yeah. It's crucial. Um, But knowing what I know now, like, so she had her first surgery and it was supposed to be like two, three hours. I think her surgery ended up being like eight, eight or nine hours. And then not only that, but like her surgery was two hours late. So we're literally at Kaiser for like 12 hours or something like that, because you have to get there two hours before her surgery for pre-op and all of that. And so we're literally, we were there at like, I'm going to say five o'clock in the morning. We didn't leave there till like, shit, maybe nine o'clock that night. Nighttime. Yeah. And so like everybody and like nobody and it was weird because everybody was like talking to each other but like nobody like checked in with me like nobody was just like how are you yeah you okay sometimes I think people are afraid to ask I don't think I don't know if it's they're afraid to ask or they don't if you say something that they're not ready to hear they don't want to be accountable for helping you go through it or uh-huh. or or even they don't want they don't want the responsibility or they just don't they don't want to help you get through it because they they want to be they're kind of selfish with their own time space and energy you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. um and and i say that only because of so much that happens after so she has her surgery she's fine i at the time i worked at kmart so I went and I like completely redid her room with all her favorite colors before she came home. Oh, that's sweet. Um, bought everything, redid. She's like, "Oh, this is nice." I'm like, 
<laughs> I'll take all this back and live. Like <laughs> I'll go to Foot Locker by Lisa You know what I'm saying? Like, You're like, I'm showing you my love. <laughs> Damn right. it. And then, right. And then, like, she had, like, a colostomy. And I remember to this day, like, people would call the country mom. I'm like, I'm just waiting for somebody to ask me how the fuck I'm doing. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. does anybody care? And so, like, it got to a point where I was just like, one of my coworkers realized that I was like beyond stress. Like they knew she knew what was going on. And then like, I think, um, you know, people don't realize, you know, when you have a family member who is terminally ill, even now with the amount of care that you can get, you still have to be there with them. And the toll it takes on someone who's a caregiver it's like sometimes just someone asking, how are you doing? Is it like takes a little bit of that. That's like, oh, well, you know. Right. I And I remember, and I didn't come, I remember I didn't come home that day. I didn't come home till like one or two o'clock in the morning. I called my mom. I was just like, I'm going to go eat with one of my friends after work. We're going to go to her like way out in the West Covina where she's taking me to some spot that she likes to go to. I said, and I'm not coming home till we're done. Like, I'm not coming yeah. home at a specific time. I'm safe, whatever. And because I had left home crying because I was tired, just tired. And yeah. so when I walked in, she could tell, my friend could tell I had been crying. And she pulls me to the side. She pulls me back and she's like, you're going with me. You're closing, right? I was like, yeah. She's like, all right, when we leave, we're going to clean up. We're going to do our thing. We're going to leave. You're going with me to my homie's house. To me, I feel like at this point, like when you when you transition, you see things differently. Like I've had people that I've known to transition, like when my dad passed, um, like I remember moving into this apartment because we moved here. I'm going to say this September. He passed in February. We moved here in September. And I remember having a dream about him. We I had just like taken a couple days off put everything where it needed to be. We were completely settled in. And I was laying down to go to bed. And I closed my eyes and I literally could see him on the right side of me. And he was standing in a white suit. He had his arms behind his back. And he said, please forgive me. I need you to forgive me. You know what I said to him? I was like, why the fuck are you wearing white? That was my response. Like, why the fuck are you wearing white? That was my response. And he was just, and he just looked at me and then he just went away. And then, like, when I asked, at the time, I was going to when I asked my pastor about that, she's like, you know, you're just seeing evil spirits. I was just like, you know what? Just say you don't, just please just tell me that this has never happened for you and you just don't understand. But to tell yeah. me that I'm seeing evil spirits is just, like, it's just not going to work out. It, seem, it sounds a little like, well, you're just doing this. You know, like, she's just kind of, like, right. trying to brush it off. But it's like, right. if you don't know... Say, you know what? I don't have experience with this. Let me talk to some Whatever. other pastors who maybe do. No, or... no, no. no. We, we're not doing that. So that yeah, was their no, issue. I, so I was just like, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? And I think that was kind of like my end journey with being in church. And then that's when I just started just really, I don't know. I just started focusing on like other modalities to stay in tune and like, I still pray, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like I just I just needed more than what church could give me. So I needed to like peace out. Yeah. Um cuz just cuz I just it wasn't I wasn't getting fed and then it was just like people telling me what I, how I need to be with my kids and I was just like you don't you don't even know me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how are you going to tell me how I need to be with my kids? And you you don't know me. You've never really had a summer. I was like and you have a very like limited conversation with my kids when you see them and I was just like if if the anointing of God is in here why why am I uncomfortable like my spirit is uncomfortable my kids are uncomfortable like this ain't where we're supposed to be yeah let's go back a little bit to so your mom you were kind of waiting for her to get surgery she had the surgery so she had the surgery December that following April, she had reconstructive surgery. So they were able to reconstruct her colon. Wow. Okay. But I think that's a, that's a big deal. But I think they shouldn't have, because I think once they opened her up, 
I think she still had some live cancer cells. So I think once they opened her up, the oxygen just exposed her. Mm. So she had surgery April of 95. Then she had it again in December of 95. And then she had, and then it was another year. Like that whole, like after the surgery in 95, like Christmas 95, she had chemo. Okay. But it wasn't strong chemo. It was just like an in and out kind of chemo. I mean, now things are so different, but right. if they find any cells left over, they Right. So they the chemo she had, um, it was like, you know, she would go in like on a Wednesday or a Thursday. She would get it in an IV for like an the hour, infusion. two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um like they would, you know, they check your blood, you do the yep. chemo, and oh. then there's a fly. There he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's driving me nuts. So um, he made a cameo. Right. So she did that for several months. And I told her, I was just like, if your your body is changing and it's not helping. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So your mom was going through stuff. Uh, she had had multiple surgeries, chemo. You were fucking hustling nonstop. Right. So you got your, well, you I completed beauty, beauty school. school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I started beauty school October of 96. I finished beauty school August of 96 seven okay and then that's when um kaiser declared my mom's cancer terminal and so like literally days after man i i'm sorry it's just like so um it's like you've completed this thing you're like ready to bust out into your career and then yeah just like bad news it's just like it doesn't stop so um, I go, I, I remember working the fair again that year and they're like, you know, you're not as nice as you used to be. And I was just like, well, I have a mom that's dying at home. So how jipper yeah. do you need me to fucking be for your paycheck today? Yeah. And they're like, oh, and then they're like, well, you called in sick. And, and I was like, yeah, cause I was tired. I was like, you do realize that I work two jobs and I still have to take care of my sick ass mom. At the house. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I realized that working for other people, they will not give a fuck about what's going on in your life as long as you meet their needs. Yeah, it's very rare. It's very rare that you're going to come across a boss or an employer as an employee that's going to give a fuck about what's going on in your life and make sure that, you know, they carry some form of empathy for what you're going through. I think her last surgery she had was at the City of Hope. And mm-hmm. that was Christmas of 97. She had it the yeah. 19th. So she had it December 19th, 1997. And I remember that surgery was long as fuck. I remember we got there. We got to the hospital, same at five. I don't think we left the hospital. I think we left the hospital like at 1130. Yeah. So because her surgery was like crazy amount of hours, like 12 and a half hours. And they took a 12, they showed us a picture of this 12 pound mask that they what? took out of her. She looked like if you, she, and she had lost a ton of weight. So if she laid on her back. She looked like she was a good seven, eight months pregnant. Cause she had wow. So you, that was like, so she, her cancer so was could, coming back. Like it, it came back like hella strong. Wow. Oh, absolutely. But let me finish this part. So, um, and they were like, well, this surgery will prolong her life, but it's not going to save her life. Because once we opened her up, we saw cancer, like, all over. Like, it's yeah. completely metastasized at this point. God, it's so freaking weird, the dates and the, like the similarities. Time, like, I, I told you. I told like, you this. I've told you this so many times. Like, there's so many similarities from, like, what you went through to, like, my life 20 years ago. Yeah, that's like longer than that um so I said so it kind of got to the point like we got home and like now she has a colostomy and a urostomy bag so she has one on each side and like um uncomfortable my brothers yeah and so my brothers are just like oh no no that's your responsibility and I'm like how like you guys dropped out of her fucking vagina like me like (laughs) because I'm the girl I have to be stuck with the responsibility I'm just like I was like, it's not like you got to see her cooch. Like, she, she has her underwear on. Like, That's just, true. Like, yeah. It's like, it's on her stomach. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. They, they just were like, no. So I just remember just getting resentful because it's like, I never asked to trade the life that 
I was like, this is the prime of my life. I don't get these years back, like from 18 yeah. to 21. Okay, so leading up to your mom's passing, where was she at at this point? She's kind of had her final surgery. She had her final surgery ninety. December 19th of 97. And I remember having a conversation with her at the City of Hope. And she said to me, she goes, I can't do this anymore. And I said, okay. She goes, no, I'm serious. Like, this is it. I'm not doing any more surgeries. I'm not doing anything else. That's it for me. Yeah, I think there comes a time when people are just sick of of the fight, that cancer. It's just... um... Right. And I don't have a right to tell her. And I I tell people all this, this too like I don't have a right to tell anybody to fight because I don't know what that agony within is like I don't know I don't know what it's like to have cancer in my body I don't know what it's like to feel that I've only witnessed it through several people so I can't tell them well you need to keep going yeah that's not they have to decide that they have to 100% they have to decide that for themselves so um and I said okay but then like she would tell what bothered me about her was like she would tell some people, oh, well, I've changed my diet. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And she doesn't change shit. <laughs> she doesn't change shit. And I would be like, well, you can't eat that. Like, <laughs> can't eat that. And, like, she would still be, like, eating just bullshit. You know what I mean? And I'd be like, yeah. you can't eat, like, a bag of Chex Mix every day. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, she had this thing for Gardetto's. And there was a mix is. of... They're kind of like a Chex Mix, but a little different. Okay. Um, And I'd be like, ew, like, you can't live and eat this. Like, you're not going to know. And so I I said, you know what? You're a hypocrite. Like, you're telling one group of people one thing. You're completely living another. Like, you're a hypocrite. I was like, not only are you a hypocrite, but you're a hypocrite that's wasting my time. Yeah. And so I just grew, like, super, super resentful. And then she just was just like, you just got so mean. And I said, and you're just so damn selfish. Yeah. So if you don't want me to be mean, stop being selfish. Like you act like I don't deserve to be outside of this house. Yeah. I, I, I can go outside to water the grass, but I can't like leave and go with a friend. I can't leave and go. And it would be like, and, and then like, um, like even my so-called friends that like, I don't talk to them. Like, even after, I would be like, how can you say that you're my friend, but then when my mom was sick, when my mom died, like, I didn't hear from y'all. Yeah, people like you kind of got you, a hard you, you time. Kinda, yeah, like, like you, I, I, I'm not expecting you to show up and be like, but, like, say, like, hey, I thought I'm thinking about you. Yeah. That goes a long way. But Yeah, ask, how are you doing? <laughs> kind of, like, how are yeah, you? yeah. Yeah, you even got to say, I've been thinking of you and... Yeah, just say, hey, I've been thinking about you, hope all is well. I'm content with that. Because I get that some things are too heavy and people can't handle heavy shit. Yeah. But I also know that just because I've been through a lot of shit does not mean I'm going to hold your hand through your shit. (laughs) I can give you the steps. I can give you the steps of self-care that you need to take for yourself. But like the, the heavy lifting is your responsibility. Yep, absolutely. Like you, you have to, you have to go through the process to gain your own power. I can't give you my power to get you through your to transmute your situation. You gotta go through it on your own. Like, yeah. Good luck, but I'm not. So when your mom passed away, um, did you feel a little bit of a weight lifted? I did. I felt a weight lift, but I also knew shit was gonna get hella hella real for me. Oh, like especially because yeah. I mean I had dealt with so much leading up to her death with different relatives that I knew like with her passing it was going to be like a, even more of a dig so mm. um I remember very very clearly I had my mom passed in December were we you had, with like, her a, no none of us were with her I had I remember working that day I was at the time I was working at Mervyn's during Christmas I actually started working for them like the spring before and it was during Christmas season. And I remember just getting home from work. I'd stopped by Tom's and me and my brother were going to eat and then we were going to go to the hospital. And I remember eating my burger and the hospital calling, telling us that she had passed. 
Yeah. And, and I was just like, oh. So I called everybody and then like people came over and I was just like kind of in a shock. And then like, I don't know, like I knew from that point my life was gonna shift in a way where I was just gonna have the I was gonna have to really figure some shit out on my own. Well, you kind of became the matriarch of your immediate yeah, and family. I was just like, I don't want that. Like I wanna just live. Like yeah. I don't even like I was like, when do I get to have fun and shit don't be hard? Like this is like heavy. Like I don't want to carry this heavy shit forever. Yeah. Like I, I when do this get to I just need this to lighten up so I can just like yeah breathe a little bit. And be a kid. Because you're still kind of a kid. In your right. early twenties. Yeah. I mean now looking back it's like, God, you were a baby. You know, you're a little so young and all this life ahead of you. And so um I remember making arrangements to leave and go to Mississippi. So I went to Mississippi um, to my dad's sister's house. Now, my, at the time, my grandma was still alive. Mm-hmm. My grandma kind of just at my mom's Your mom's mom? service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my mom's mom at the time was still alive, but like her spirit kind of shifted. Yeah. When she saw my mom, like when my mom's memorial service and all that, she had saw my mom like before because she was actually out. She was she out here she wasn't out here she was on her way out here um when your mom passed well my mom passed okay um and so oh so you sorry um so you kind of knew it was close to the end i knew i knew it was close to the end because she had kind of stopped eating her face was kind of gone and um you could kind of see you could kind of tell she she was and but she had told me like we had took her to the hospital and she had said, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And so she said, give me a hug and give me a kiss. I'm ready. And okay. I gave her a hug and a kiss. And I'm going to say, we went to see her one time and she was kind of out of it. Yeah. And then the next time we were on our way to go see her, she was, she was gone. Yeah. She was gone. But I. Is she, is she buried here? In uh, no, she's in Mississippi. So what oh, she okay. wanted was to be buried in Mississippi by her dad. So because my oh. grandpa had passed ninety three, mm-hmm. like ninety two, ninety three, something like that. So she wanted to be buried by her dad. So I took her remains out there to my grandma so that she could bury her um, wherever my mom. She knew where my mom wanted to be buried. I okay. I was done with it after that. Yeah. Did your grandma help you to make the arrangements? No, I gave it all to her. Oh, like I didn't I didn't want to be bothered. Okay. And she she understood that. Like, you know what I mean? Like and I and I told I Oh, that's a massive undertaking. I mean I, I told my grandma, like she had came over and she was yelling at me and I was just like, I don't I was like, Don't be here if you're gonna be here yelling at me. And I remember just screaming. I was like, don't be here if you're going to yell at me. I'm already doing way too fucking much. Oh, yeah. And I beyond. never cussed at my grandma. And I <laughs> remember just going in my room, just crying. Yeah. And she was just like, and then my aunt came and picked her up. And then um, I remember her coming over the next day. And she said, I apologize you're really taking on more than you should have to. Yeah. And yeah. there should be more people here helping. And I'm, I'm sorry because yeah. I'm just thinking that you're just being mean, but you're exhausted. Yeah. And there's insane amount of information that you have to process and deal with. Oh, technically like just to, I mean, to transport a body between States to take care of like the funeral home. Cause it's not like they just, put her in a bag and you know it's it's not that simple oh, but i did because we we got her cremated so she was just chilling in a suitcase. oh that's a lot easier yeah that's a yeah lot she's easier. just chilling on a suitcase and then like um my yeah. aunt took me over to my grandma to get her my mom's remains but then like and and just sorry one thing to clarify if you're listening nowadays to transport ashes you have to get a permit to show them at the airport <laughs> now Post 9-11. Yeah. Um, my brother has a little urn of my mom's ashes that he took to Japan. And and I had to make sure he had, like, a, a permit. Just in case. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, well, I think a lot of it's post 9-11. You know, you can't travel with small containers of mysterious powder. And you don't want them to open it in the airport, you know, so. No. So she's in Mississippi. So she's in Mississippi, buried. The way most southern states are is if your family has land that they own and it's it's land that they use to bury your loved ones or whatever, then that's that's land. That's like your family's sacred land. They, they're not going to like yeah. put a building over it or whatever. So my dad has his family side. My mom had her family side. And so my, my grandma had my mom there. And I honestly have not been back since. Okay. So if it's a family property... It's like one of your relatives' property, so you can go right. Visit. But it's right, so it's always going to be there. Like I could always okay. visit, but like I don't have any relatives that I fuck with <laughs> that live in Mississippi. There's really no other way that I can say. It. There's really yeah. I don't have any relatives that I fuck with the long way in Mississippi, other than my cousin Keisha. Um, just because okay. I just they show me that I can't really fuck with them and I shouldn't trust them, so I believe them. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, like we've all got some of those in our family, at, at least a few. And we related. We ain't family, and I'm cool yeah. with that. And I'm right. not. And I'm not trying to bridge a gap. I'm not trying to create a relationship. Like I appreciate what you've shown me thus far at this age, and I, I, I want. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you a hundred percent. And I'm gonna stay I, over in California. Right. Right. And I, you can't, you can't get me with the whole like forgiveness shit. Like, no. Nah, so, um, is there any funny stories about your mom from your childhood or things about her that characterize her? Like, um, she, okay. So, you know how I'm very blunt when I cut people out? Yeah. I'm very just, (laughs) but I'll say it very calmly. You know what I'm saying? My mom was such, so eloquent at like telling people off that you wouldn't realize that she cussed you out and told you (laughs) off for two hours. She would never (laughs) use a cuss word, but she would be so eloquent with it that you'd be like, she just just said, fuck you in poetry style. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm more like my dad. Like, you know what? You goat stinking at... Yeah, yeah. You... But my mom was just really eloquent. Eat a bag of dicks. Oh. You can have, like, two pounds of dirty dicks, ho. Like, that's me. (laughs) But my mom was just really, like, really nice and eloquent and just, like, la, 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 la. I like that. It's like a classy fuck you. I I tell people real, real quick, like, I have 25% of the hydrated Jesus left in my soul. <laughs> you really want to test that, be as woe be unto you, but you'll get it. <laughs> and I and I won't feel bad. And I'll, I'll hurt your feelings and be like, you know what, let's just, you know, let's be friends. Like, I've cussed out my brother several times. And I'm like, okay. Like, I, this is the craziest thing. I cussed out my brother, like, the night before his, the night before his birthday. And then he sends me a text, like, so we still going to sushi? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll be there in about an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm never saying no to sushi, hardly ever. So we're coming on the home stretch here. Is there anything about death or dying that inspires you see that's that's such a petty question (laughs) only because like i tell people all the time like i can't wait to die to fuck with people oh like slam their cabinets oh (laughs) i like that that's great that's classic so um, yeah that kind of yeah that it just sparks my petty like oh i want to die so i can just (laughs) I'm coming for you, bitch. I'm coming I for you. I love that. I love but, that. Uh, I'm thoroughly I'm entertained. I'm say, for, for me, like, I, death is a hard thing for the living. Yeah. I think it's much harder for the living than it is for the dead. I, I, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like, like, even with, but it, it depends on the person, too. So my last two questions for you are, um, 
do you have any specific way you want your funeral to be? Do you want it to be like a celebration, a more somber event at a church? Or, you know, like, do you have a specific venue or thing you're thinking of? And I don't want a funeral at all. At all. I oh, don't want one. I don't want my kids to have to deal with assholes. I've oh, had to I deal with people. At, I, I've had to deal with people at funerals to, to, and I've had to like suck up tolerating people and their shit. Um, mm-hmm. at my dad's funeral, my mom's funeral. And I don't want to put my kids through that. So I, I told them that I want to be cremated. You guys split me up. Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever what, you get half, you get half. And then any money, uh, go on vacation, go on vacation for yeah. two months, take the time off and then go back to work when you want or whatever you're doing. Um, but like, don't feel obligated to be around these motherfuckers. Like I don't, I would, I don't want to, I don't, that's the biggest gift. (laughs) I don't want them to have to deal with people and their shit. So I don't want them to have a funeral for me. Mm. Yeah. Fuck all that. Don't, don't have a funeral for me. Just, and, and and if I just randomly die, you ain't even gonna tell nobody. Keep that between (laughs) y'all. I mean, cause let's be clear. If you're not caught and I'm very, like, very, very serious. Like, if I don't talk to you on the regular basis, I talk to you when you want something or when you feel like you can get something out of me. Like, what kind of relationship is that? Yeah. If you're not checking so, in with me enough to know right. whether so or not I'm not, alive. Right. So if they're not, and, and, and that's what you get out of services. You get a lot of looky lose. Like, no one's yeah. really been in your life. Nobody's, this yeah. is really my mom. This fly is 100% my mom. Oh, yeah. I'm she's like, buzzing you. She's like, well you know what the interesting thing is like it's weird when your family member dies and and people maybe weren't that close to them want to it's it feels a little like is it for me because they they want to know they want to know they honestly want to know like how much money what do you get like they don't really and and i don't want super gossipy and i don't want them to feel obligated to be around a bunch of fuckers that didn't give a fuck up to this point Cause yeah. like I tell people all the time, like I said, since you don't um, call and check on us, like when my shit's really popping in about fifteen seconds, like I want you to keep that same fucking energy. Like y'all yeah. don't. I was like, I could, I said, I could completely have moved out of the state or the country, but y'all, I was like, even without the pandemic, y'all don't call and check on us. So I said, so when I disappear and I, I, I'm, and things are a little different. I want you to keep the same fucking energy. Yeah. Like, keep leaving me the fuck alone. I appreciate it. <laughs> that is the now, best answer. Want, like, keep leaving me the fuck alone. And yeah. like, I, I would rather them have the money and they pay off something, go buy something, yeah. whatever they want to do, stack it. But don't be around, don't eat with these fools that ain't give a fuck about us up to this point. Yeah. No, nah, don't serve them. Don't don't offer them no coffee. Don't have. Don't no feel obligated service, to do yeah, something. Yeah, like because the service is for the living, and yeah. they don't need to be around That's people. Right. They don't need that. That the That's service right. is for the living. The service yeah. is for the dead. The service is for the living, and so I don't I don't want them to have to be around people that haven't given a fuck about them up to this point. Yeah, because my parents forced me to be around people that I'm like they don't even like me, and I got a hugger. <laughs> I would be so pissed, like. I was like, she stinks. Her whole aura stinks. Her body stinks. She smells like cow rinse. She needs like, ugh. and you can tell that she puts on two pounds of powder, so you can't tell she stinks. Ooh, yeah, that, I was like, that's like that's gross. Hmm. I worked for someone for a very short period of time. I was sewing costumes for like the color guard and stuff right. for marching bands you know, whatever costumes. And this lady had the business in her home and it was in a very specific room. And she said, no cats are allowed in this room. And there was like, she had like 15 cats in this condo and they were like peeing on her dishes on the counter. She offered me a drink once and I was just like, no, no, no. But I think I worked like two shifts and I was just like, I can't, it smelled like, cat pee and I went to use her bathroom once and everything had a layer of baby powder on it like 
Like she was going crazy with the powder and it was just like, oh, I can't. This is this right. a fucking nightmare. Right. right. So, um, yeah. My last question for you is, well, since you said you don't want a funeral, it's a little out of the blue, but what song would you play at your funeral? I see my songs would be like Teddy. <laughs> That's okay. Um, like any song that talks some shit. So it'd be some Trick Daddy or some O. T. Genesis. That's cool. Yeah, it would it would be some ratchet hip hop song. I like it. I'm trying to think like the was that song by Big Sean, I don't fuck with you. <laughs> I don't fuck with you. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, that would that it would be something like that. All right. Do you have any final death tidbits you'd like to share? Death tidbits. Death related um, something. I I just feel like people transition so from one side of life to the other. Yeah. And and I say that specifically because your my mom, brother, my mom is just fly I, in this motherfucker. As you're saying that, I the fly. She's she's a fly chilling in my house right now because she's mad. Um, and I, I I actually have an altar. She's not on my altar. She's actually on the dryer, watching. She's on the dryer. She's I, no, her picture's on the dryer. I put her on the dryer because every time I have her on the altar, some shit goes down, and I'd be like, you know what? I need you to stop blocking my shit. So she's on the dryer. <laughs> At the back door. Um, well, my uh, brother. My brother is the asshole. And he comes through all the time. And he's annoying. Like super fucking annoying. Like okay so. I have a mentor. One of my mentors. Her name is Val DeFrancis. She has several books written. I work with her. Um, doing a lot of modalities. Spiritual modalities. Um, basically clearing my energy. So I can be better evolving. And all that kind of stuff. So sometimes. And so for the longest, I've had sessions with her like every Sunday morning. Now, mind you, a lot of Saturdays, I'm leaving the shop at like eight, seven, eight, and it takes a minute to chill out. So I would have to be up at like 5.30 for uh, 8.45 because her sessions start at nine. So I would have to be up because she's three hours ahead. So for me, I would have to be up at 5.30 for a 9 a.m. session because her 9 a.m., is my 6 a.m yeah yeah but i i want it i want it better you know what i mean like i want to change my life i want so i'd be like all right and sometimes she get sometimes she would give you know an assignment sometimes she wouldn't and so um she had did this special session on a wednesday or something now before that she did a session on a sunday and my brother came through talking about you know, a car i had been looking at and he had said something about spaghetti which was weird because i was like oh I think I'll make spaghetti today. I had literally just said that in the kitchen before the session had started. I was like, okay. So he just want me to know that he be knowing what the fuck I'm doing. He's like, I would like some too. Can you send some? Right. Over Actually, the other he side. Did. He <laughs> liked all the, he liked my spaghetti, my steak avocado and my tacos. Well, any antics to be honest. So um, <laughs> fast forward a couple weeks after that, my mom's brother, my mom's last living brother had passed. So then like a couple weeks later, we do a, a, a thing on a Wednesday and she's all, okay, so who has, and it was like, a, for this one, it was like a bunch of other people. So she's all, who has like a relative by the name of James? And I was like, Ugh. I was me. like me. <laughs> she's like, your people are kind of loud. I was like, yeah, I know. And then I said, well, me, my uncle just passed, you know, um, but we don't know what he passed of. And she's like, oh, it was leukemia. Um, she's like, but he's fine. He's with family. I was like, oh, okay. And good. she goes, right. No. Oh, so then she starts good. laughing. She, she starts laughing and she's just like, your brother wants to know what's up with the reefer. I was like, fucking A, dude. Fucking <laughs> A. And it was crazy. I was like, he's such an asshole about my fucking weed. Because <laughs> I, I kid you not. So where I was in my room, like there's my cable box. So I had this tripod like right in front of my cable box. And behind it, like on the side, was a little container of weed. I was just like, oh, little fucker. So, okay, so what? You know, I got weed and I'm grown. <laughs> Shoot, we in a pandemic. It's legal now in Cal. Was he around when it was legalized? No. Or no? Yeah. No. No, I was like, I, we in a pandemic. 
<laughs> well, um, well, this has been great. <laughs> this has been fantastic. Um, before we sign out and I end my recording, I just want to thank you for everything, your support throughout my experience with my mom dying. I don't know how to explain it or or whatever. All I can say is thank you. Your own balance, however you've gotten it, and also, you know, you were going through all of your own shit was fantastic and continues to be fantastic. So thank you for Thank you for being you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Death is Everything with Heather and Marianne. If you like our show, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe. And check us out on Instagram at D period, I period, E period, underscore cast. We're here for a good time, not for a long time.